Let's go to the Bible. If you found Mark chapter 6, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. Mark chapter 6. We'll start in verse 30 and read down to verse 44. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 30. <clears throat> the apostles returned to Jesus. And they told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw great, a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Shall we go and buy two denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, We have five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. They took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Join me as we pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us today. God, I pray that you would heal broken hearts. Father, I pray that you would bring joy back. Pray that you would return the joy of our salvation. Pray that you'd give those who are still lost in sin eyes to see, a heart to believe. We pray that Jesus is glorified and your people drawn. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A lot of you like to listen to podcasts. I listen to a few podcasts myself. Not many, but a few. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is called A Short History Of. If you like history at all, A Short History Of, it's about an hour long and takes a topic from just history that is everything behind us. And the guy that does it has an English accent. So if you have an English accent, you always sound smarter. So you want to try it out. A short history of, I like to uh, listen to Al Mohler, the briefing, oftentimes in the morning, we'll get the morning wire just to get a short uh, clip of what's going on in the world. This past week, I was introduced to another podcast. For the last few days, I've been listening to it. It's called Christianity and Liberalism. Christianity and Liberalism. It's based on a book by the same name, by a man named J. Gratian Machen, written 100 years ago. And it explores the depth of who Jesus is according to the Bible and how that truth, who Jesus is according to the Bible, how that truth determines the very trajectory 
of our lives. I bring that up for a reason, because in the text, by the time we get to, by the time we get to Mark chapter 6, people are wondering who this man is. Is he a healer? Is he just a teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he Elijah? Who is this even the man named Herod wondered who he is, and his conscience bothered him so bad. In chapter 6, we read that last week, his conscience bothered him so bad, he thought that Jesus was a reincarnated, a ghost of John the Baptist. So in the middle of all the confusion of who Jesus actually might be, Mark pauses to tell us this story, tell us this story. Mark, who wrote the gospel, got the story from Peter. Peter was there and saw it firsthand. Mark tells us the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 men. We'll find out from the other gospels that there are more people there, probably wives and children, maybe 20,000 men. And here Mark clears the air on the front end. I want you to see it, that Jesus is God of very God, as the creed would say. And there is not a need that Jesus cannot meet. There is not a need in your life. There is not one person that walked through any of those doors or sat in any one of these blue chairs that has something going on in your life that Jesus Christ, by the power of God, can't meet that need. Now, here's what I want to do. Because it's a long passage like it was last week, I'd like to go back through the story, walk through it. We'll just sort of walk through, pointing out a couple of things, come back and make some applications. This gospel, this gospel, the gospel of Mark, is one of four gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. They say lots of the same things. Then there's John. This story right here of feeding the 5,000 is the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. Let's go through it. Join me there in verse 30. <clears throat> verse 30, we find out that the apostles returned to Jesus after being away. Paul's there. Apostles, those are the sent ones. Missionaries, you might say. They are sent by Jesus himself. They have special authority. Jesus gave it to them to heal and to teach and to cast out demons. When the apostles die out, that, that kind of power in humans goes with them. The reason God gave them, the reason Jesus gave them that power was to call authority to what they were teaching. Our authority now is not within a person. I don't have authority. The authority, as Kyler has even said this morning, is the Bible. The Bible then gives us authoritatively the story of who God is. So the apostles have returned to Jesus. Where had they been? Well, if you read chapter 6, where they had been, Jesus sent them out teaching and preaching in the villages two by two. And while that story is told, Mark gives us a flashback of Herod and John the Baptist. So 17 through 29 is the flashback. And now he returns to the story and tells us the apostles come back to Jesus and they report everything that they did. Verse 31, this is what he says to them. I know that you're ragged. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place, rest a while. Because what happened is they got home and it was still busy. 
Things were still going on. Verse Verse 31 tells us that people were coming in and out and it was so busy that sometimes they would work so hard they would forget to take a lunch break. They weren't eating. It was not healthy. And Jesus says, we need to go away for a little while. So they start away in verse 32. They get in a boat, just a 12, and with Jesus, there's 13. And as they do, they're on the Sea of Galilee. And if you're on the shore, you can see where that boat is going. And people saw it. And along the shore, if you read in verse 32 and 33, people started just following. And they cut across the Jordan and got there before Jesus and the disciples. Verse 33 says that people from all over, towns were, were headed that way. And verse 34, when they got to the landing that was supposed to be their getaway and retreat, everybody is there waiting on them. Can you imagine? I, I, when I read this, this was frustrating to me. Their vacation is shot. So, verse 34, I'm thinking, I mean, can you, I mean, some of you have felt the resentment of having planned it out. It's going to be a getaway. It's going to be great. I need it so badly. And there they are, verse 34. Notice Jesus, when Jesus gets out, he sees the crowd, and his first impulse is not my first impulse. He's the perfect son of God. He is the one that shows us what we were supposed to be. He is the God-man. His, his first impulse, compassion. Has compassion on them. He sees them, verse 34, and he looks at them and says, they are like, in his heart, they are like sheep. They don't have a shepherd. There's no fences. They are wandering aimlessly. And so, verse 34, to solve that, he begins to teach. Notice the very first thing he does is Teach. Here is the living Word of God giving the Word of God. Why do we read the Bible? It's the Word of God. Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, is found in the pages of the written Word of God. So he stands there and teaches. He sees there are people that are like sheep without a shepherd, and to be their shepherd, he teaches. Maybe this is when he taught the Sermon on the Mount. We don't know. Maybe this is when he gave them all, all the parables. We don't know what it is. I wish Mark would just elaborate just a little bit. He said, Mark says he taught them many things. It must have been a lot because he taught on until the sun went down. In verse 35, it grew late. And so the disciples who they're trying to take care of Jesus, let us do the administration. Jesus, you do the teaching. So he's doing the teaching. And they come to him and say, look, it's gotten late. We gotta, you need to let everybody go home. Or at least go to another village somewhere to get them something to eat. It's been all day. Send them away, verse 36. But in verse 37, Jesus turns it over. Here's a time for you to understand. Here's the exposure. I want to expose the difference between me and you. Verse 37, you, you, why don't you give them something to eat? Verse 38, you can feel the sarcasm. I don't know who it is that said it. You can feel the sarcasm when it says 200 denarii. It's eight months. $40,000 would be enough to buy, the other gospels say, that would buy enough for everybody to have a morsel. And so what does Jesus say in verse 38? How many do you have? Do you, what do you have here? Do you have anything to eat? How many loaves do you have? How many fishes do you have? Well, John tells us the little boy had a packed lunch. His mom packed his lunch that day and he headed off to see Jesus. And uh, who knew that that was going to be in a story that would last forever. So he shows up with his evil Knievel lunchbox. 
Remember those lunch boxes, the metal lunch boxes have a thermos on the inside? Never, I never took the thermos. I uh, needed more room for the food that went into the lunchbox. <laughs> he shows up with his lunchbox that day and hands it over to the disciples. And they say to Jesus, we have two small fish and five loaves. It would be like a piece of pita bread. Five loaves. Then he commanded, verse 39. He commanded, let's organize everybody here. There's thousands of people. Put them in groups of 50s and 100s. That's how we know the number. It's very easy to count. Put them in groups of 50s and 100 and set them down on the green grass. Now you're seeing uh, allusions to the shepherd. This is what Kyler preached about summertime when he took us through Psalm 23. Here's Jesus coming as the, the new and better David. He's going, to provide, he's going to provide food as a new and better Moses. He took them into the wilderness to do that. Verse 41, the, the, the way the miracle is described is not spectacular. Verse 41, he took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven just like any good leader, any Jewish man would. Looked up to heaven, giving the indication, get your eyes up. He wanted to make sure you understand we're thanking God above. Verse 41 is a picture even of the, even of the Eucharist. He, he took the five loaves and looked up to heaven and said a blessing. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. I wish Mark would have told us more about this miracle. When did it happen? Was, was there one basket that food just kept coming out of? How, I mean, how was it distributed? Was it when the disciples went to each group? And was that where the miracle is? Doesn't tell us. He's, Mark conserves his words. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he said a blessing, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all. They ate and were satisfied. Here, fish that weren't cooked and bread that wasn't put in an oven, that Jesus just made. They ate and were satisfied, and the kindness of the Lord, there's always a little extra, the kindness of the Lord in verse 43 was that each of the apostles, there are 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles, there are 12 baskets. That basket would have been the size of a lunchbox. There's enough, there's enough for lunch the next day in verse 43. 5,000 of just men, not to mention their wives and children. Now, as you look at this story, there really are, are, are two ways to, to look at it. We look at it thinking, what does this say about me? What does this say about God? What does this say about me? What does this say about Jesus? Let's deal with us first. Here's the first point, number one. We are people in need. For you can ever have a vibrant walk with God, you realize... You're in need. Every one of us here. What are we in need of? Let's, let's just go through it. We'll just start with uh, verse 30. Well, the first thing you notice about our need, we are in need of accountability. Accountability. We need accountability. We need to give an account. Verse 30, the apostles, after teaching and preaching, they come back to Jesus, and that's all they do in verse 30. They just tell him everything they did and taught. Now, sometimes the word accountability gets a bad rap in Christian circles. When Promise Keepers came by, a lot of you remember Promise Keepers. One of the byproducts of Promise Keepers was men's accountability groups. 
And oftentimes those guys would meet in men's accountability groups and you would ask questions. It, it, it would typically do one of two things. The accountability group would grow to have other people there and it ended up 10 years later, not really accountability, you just like to meet with your buddies and have breakfast. You could do that. Or it could be the other side is you ask, accountability becomes asking these hard questions that really becomes nothing more than a confession of sin. And that's not really what accountability is. Accountability is being with brothers and sisters and giving an account of what God has done. Accountability, we need that honest, frank, joyful, documented evidence of how God is working. Just about every Saturday, I'll take the, the vehicles, mine and Connie's, and um, I even did this when she wasn't here. I take it to the gas station and fill them up and wash them and do that in the Saturday morning. It's what I do almost every Saturday morning. And yesterday morning, I was at the car wash and ran uh, my car through the car wash and wiping it down, making sure the tires look just right and vacuuming it out. And a gentleman walked up. I know him. He goes to our church. He's an 80-year-old man. I see, them, I see him there almost every Saturday. And I know that when I see him, he is going to give me an account of how God has blessed him. Over and over again, he said, praise God in the car wash. We had a little mini revival yesterday morning in the car wash. We need, I walked away from that so encouraged, we need accountability. You know what else we need? Verse 31, we need rest. We need rest. Think about what they are doing. Think about what they had been doing. Chapter 6 says that they had been out teaching and preaching and healing, casting out demons. Also inserted in chapter 6 is a reminder of all that they'd been through. Many of them had followed John the Baptist. They had been his disciples. Now John was brutally killed. They could have been grieving, trying to work, trying to carry the heavy load. They get back to Caesarea and verse 31 says that things are so busy there. People are coming and going to the degree they can't even stop to eat. And Jesus sees that in verse 31. And he says... To them, This is his idea. Look, the, for those of you that feel guilty when you stop working, when you can't sit down and relax a minute, this is his idea. Verse 31, he said to them, come away by yourselves, not to Disney World. That's not a vacation. That's work. You go there and work. You're going to have 30,000 steps and sweat and babies crying. It's terrible. What does he say? You come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. You need rest. Physically, you need it. Your mind needs it. You've been carrying the stress and the weight or maybe grief, maybe pain. Your body needs it. God has designed us to remind us we are not God. We need rest. You need to pull away from, from people for a little bit. We are, we are people in need, and we need accountability. We need rest. Let me give you something else we need. We need perspective. 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 Verse 32 and 33, the hardest verses to me in this passage, because a lot of you have had uh, 
times when you've planned a retreat or a getaway or a vacation or time with your family or someone you love that you looked forward to, looking forward to that, got you through some of the work that you hate, you look forward to that, you, and it comes time and something happens and it is ruined. Some emergency, bottom drops out, and all your plans are, are gone. Verse 31, Jesus said, you guys need to get away. Verse 32 and 33, the getaway is destroyed. You see it? Everybody followed them there. They got there. It's the same thing as it was back home. Verse 32 and 33. Now, it would be real easy to resent that. A lot of you, if you've had a vacation destroyed, and we have, me and Connie have, it's easy, the default, to think, I really needed that. We need perspective. We need a bigger view of how God works. If God is truly sovereign in our lives and if all things fall under his lordship and in control, then you and I never have a right to complain about anything. If this is God's world, if it is his, if he controls it all, if he is working out his own purposes in your life and in the life of this world, if he's doing it in a small way and in a large way, those things that happen to us, we do not have the right to complain. We need perspective. We need to see the sovereign hand of God. We look back and see the providence of God. We need to work toward not... I feel like I probably should be looking in a mirror. This is why I had the hardest time. Not resent when our plans are changed. We need rest. We need perspective. We need accountability. Let me give you something else we need. Verse 34 tells us that, that we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. Isn't it a beautiful verse, verse 34? My, my impulse in verse 32 and 33 when the crowd shows up and I don't want them there is resentment. The impulse of Jesus in verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw the crowd, he felt compassion, and this is what he thought, verse 34. They are like sheep without a shepherd. We need a shepherd. Here's what I mean. We need guidance, we need care, we need provision, we need the Lord to, to, to walk us in the right direction. We need the Lord to carry us sometimes. We need a shepherd. We need rescue. That's what Christianity is. God rescuing us by Christ, our shepherd. I'll tell you something else from this verse. We not only need a shepherd. Verse 34, we need to be fed. We need to be fed. Now, this is a spectacular miracle mentioned in all four Gospels where 5,000 men, maybe as many as 20,000 people are fed. That is an important part. But it, will you see what he did first? When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he started to teach them many things before he ever provided all that food, the first thing he did for the thousands of people is to teach, to take God's word, open it up. Now, brothers and sisters, that's why we do the things that we do here. That's why we press Awana like we do, why we've done it for 10 years now, why we ask you to help with Awana and our children's ministry. Our desire is not to entertain, but to build. That's why when you walk into the sanctuary, 
If you've never come to church before in your life, you don't know what a church is, you walk in this room and you'll see that there is something up here that holds a Bible and something goes on up there. What is it? Opening up, talking about the Bible. That's why we do expositional teaching and preaching. Go through the Bible. Because what? Because we need to be fed. Now look, if, if you're trying to live as a Christian having a meal Sunday and nothing during the week and another one Sunday, you're starving. If, if you are trying to grow and you wonder why you get why you fall to temptation, why you're battling sin, why your mouth's not been cleaned up, why you still fall to the same things, it's because you're not being fed. When you need, in fact, to be in a systematic going through the Bible, allowing God's Word to get a hold of your heart, to feed your soul, we, we need to be fed. I'll give you something else we need. We need to trust God. Doesn't it get good here in verse 35 and 36? We need to trust God. Business picks up now. The pace of it starts to pick up. Verse 35 and 36, uh, the disciples have legitimate concerns. Many of them administratively minded. Hey, look, we probably need to send everybody home. The sun's going down. There are a couple of towns around. They can get something to eat there. Let's, they're thinking ahead. There's going to be a disaster here. Let's send everybody home. When we're trying to solve problems, we need to trust God. Sometimes God stops us in our tracks. Verse 37, when we realize our inadequacies. Here's Christianity. When we realize we are inadequate, that's what Jesus does in verse 37. He says to them, you give them something to eat. They don't have anything. Verse 38, they, all, they get sarcastic. What, do you want me to drop 40 grand? If we did that, we couldn't, still couldn't feed everybody. The little boy's lunch shows up in verse 39 and 40. Verse 38 and 39 and 40. Have five loaves, the size of a piece of pita bread, two fish. We need to trust God when we don't have anything. I mean, that's nothing. And we give everything we have, verse 38, 39, and 40. We need to trust God. We've done this now. They've given that to Jesus when it seems absolutely impossible. Verse 39 and 40, administratively, they put them up in the groups, 50s and 100s, set them down. Danny Aiken says we need to trust we need to trust Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Verses 41 and 42, it's the picture of Jesus Thanking God for it. It's, when you read this, it is unspectacular the way Mark tells it. It's good to, rem to remember that a little bit can become a lot with Jesus. We need to remember that, that even though we pour everything out, the great miracle, we don't even have an account. Did the people know that there was a miracle? If there were 5,000 men, let's say 20,000 people, they're broken up into groups of 100 if you're in the back, you don't even see Jesus. You don't know where this food came from. Do they even know? It's good to remember, verse 43, after the miracle is gone, Jesus has tomorrow covered. There's just enough for each apostle to have a lunch. I read this story and I realize we are people in 
need. That's the thing about us. What about Christ? All right, let's go back through it. Point number two. If we are people in need, Jesus Christ meets our needs. Whatever that is, he meets our needs. If you go back through it, you see in verse 30, he is our aim and our joy. The men show back up and they give a report. The report is they had preached about Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. They were there to praise Jesus. He is our aim and our joy. He meets our needs. Verse 32 and 33, they're supposed to get away for some rest. We find out when you read this that he, in fact, is our rest. He's the picture now going into the wilderness, going to feed the people. He's a picture of a true and better Moses. He not only is the law keeper through his life, he was crucified in the place of sinners taking the wrath of God on the Saturday. The Saturday, he kept the Sabbath for man for the last time. If he fulfilled the law, he kept it completely. Sunday, God raised him from the dead. The Sabbath now has been kept and taken away. Rest is not in a day. It is in Christ. That's where we find our rest. That's why that Jesus took them into the wilderness to show them it's not just in you finding a way to relax. That is a good and healthy thing to do. I'm all for that. But let us not forget there is no rest outside of Christ. Here's our Look, even when you're robbed of a vacation that you have been planning all year long, your rest is in Jesus. Not only that, he is not only our rest, he is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. Dr. Kyle Smith did a great job taking us through Psalm 23. Here again, we have Jesus speaking of that, verse 34. Look what he thinks of you. Look, look what he thinks of you. You need to claim verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. There were people in that crowd with all manner of lifestyle, all kind of motivation, all kind of background. Jesus looked on every one of them like he looks on all of us, like he looks on you with compassion. That word is in his guts, a real visceral feeling. That this Jesus is the, the true and better David. He looked at him and thought, those people are like sheep without a shepherd. He's come to be the shepherd. What will they say about the good shepherd? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's what we preach, right? It's the gospel. This is, this is Jesus is not living as an example or a teacher or someone that was a great prophet. Jesus comes as the shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. That Jesus comes and, and lives like we couldn't. We fall to temptation. He fights temptation. He resists temptation. He never sinned. Lived in perfect fellowship with God as man and woman were supposed to. He did that in our place. And at the cross, what does he do there? He takes the just punishment for sin. Sin is a crime against God, crime we understand justice must be punished. A just God pours out punishment. All of the sins of all people that will be saved on Jesus. Jesus takes the wrath of God. God raises him from the dead and the doors are open. The veil is, is split in two 
and we are invited into the presence of God. That's the gospel, invited in. He is our shepherd. He's not just our shepherd. Verse 34, he is our provider. Text says in verse 34 that he, before he fed them, he taught them. Remember when Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness? You find it in Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I mean, even, even when he feeds the 5,000, let's not get caught there and miss the point. Even when he feeds the 5,000, Jesus uses that miracle to point to himself. Mark doesn't tell us, tell us everything, but the other gospel writers do. You can read it in John chapter 6. It's a great chapter. John 6 is a great chapter to read. There you have Jesus feeding the 5,000, and then they go away from there, and he uses that, the feeding of the 5,000, to teach a lesson about himself. This is what he says. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, Are you had bread? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Who, whoever believes in me will never thirst. Then in verse 41, you have a picture. Next Sunday, we'll do the Lord's Supper. We'll, we'll do this tangibly. But verse 41, you have the picture. Jesus takes the loaves and the fish, and, and, he, and, he, and he lifts his eyes to heaven. The picture of the, the Eucharist. We're reminded that he is our Redeemer. A picture of him offering himself. Verse 41 is a, is a picture of our Redeemer. It's paralleled over in chapter 6 and explained there of John. John chapter 6, verse 48, 49 and following. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread. It came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. It's what we call substitutionary atonement. Jesus living and dying as our substitute in our place, taking the wrath of God so that we might receive the grace of God. He's our Redeemer. Hey, look, he's our, he's our fulfiller. Verses 42 and 43, it might be that the people didn't know where the miracle, they may not have known where, where it came from. They may not have even known that it's a miracle. They just thought this is really good fish, really good bread. We have no description of what happened. Mark is so, I wish you just, just a few more details. What we do know is he did this out of nothing. Here's a picture of Here's a picture of Jesus taking the fish and the bread and making it so that what was planned for one small boy would feed 20,000 people. He did what God did in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. He created fish where there wasn't any. Sometimes you read this story and think, well, this is a, the two fish and the bread were like a starter kit and it just keeps growing. And just pass. I mean, we don't have any indication how it worked, except that Jesus was able to give out bread that never passed through an oven. People were eating fish that never swam in the sea. That he was doing what God does. 
And we are reminded he's the one who, he's the one who is our fulfiller. There's even that little extra in verse 43. What a great little verse. There's enough for, so that Peter and the apostles the next day could have lunch. And you read this story and you realize what Mark is doing. This Jesus, this Jesus is God. And there is not a need that Jesus cannot meet. As we close, do you see yourself in need? In need. In need. It's a first step. Do you see yourself in need? The Lord Jesus will meet every one of those needs. This morning with your head bowed, as we go into a moment of commitment and prayer, before we sing, we're going to sing another song. Before we sing, do you, do you see yourself in need? What is that need? What is it? Is it a sin that has separated you from God? Do you see that? God in grace has brought you here to understand the gospel, have the scales removed from your eyes so that you might turn from your sin and by faith turn to Christ. Or is it pain? Maybe pain has so burdened you, so much so you don't feel like you can take another step. And today, God has reminded you, I see your need. I see that you are in need of a shepherd. Or fear. Do you see yourself in need? The Lord Jesus Christ meets every one of those. This morning when we sing, I'll invite any of you that want somebody to pray with you. Our pastors are down front to pray with you or to talk further about what it means to give your life to Christ. If you want to come forward and pray or talk to a pastor while we sing, it's a really good time to do that. If you're not comfortable with that, if you want to wait till after church, all our pastors will be out in the lobby. I'm glad to talk to you so that you might be reminded that there is not a need that Jesus cannot meet. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us. We pray that grace would be present. We pray that you would provide healing and hope. We pray that the gospel would not only take root, but grow in the hearts of your people. That you find us faithful even today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.